What? College matters. What? College, college matters. matters. Really? For sure. College matters. Alma, Alma matters. matters. I will say Caltech has this this really fantastic tradition um, that's it's almost hard to explain because I'm going to call it Ditch Day and it is called Ditch Day. Um, and that's kind of a known term in the States where a lot of seniors just sort of skip class for the day and go do whatever. Right. Um, and, and so it sounds like I'm describing Ditch Day and, and everybody listening who's heard of the term before is just thinking, you know, big deal, the seniors just sort of skip <laughs> classes for a day. Um, but, you know, over time, over like 100 years of history at Caltech, it has actually morphed into this massive, massive tradition. Craig Chu is a graduate of Caltech with a bachelor's degree in applied and computational mathematics. Craig loved math and science while he was in high school in Texas. Math came easily to him. He says it just flowed. He could read it like a book. He wanted to grow up and create the next big thing or do game-changing cancer research. He looked for a college with like-minded students. Craig joins us today to share his Caltech story. Now, before we jump into the podcast, here are the high fives, five highlights from the podcast. And so it, it was nice to sort of have this intimate experience at Caltech with a lot of people who were just really, really interested in the same sort of nerdy math and science things that I am. You know, I, I could just sort of read the book. I, I could understand the logical flow of it because at its heart, math is, is a logical flow. And I felt like I really had this intuition. Right. Um, and so it was something I wanted to explore more. I, I really wanted to go somewhere that was heavily focused in sort of these I, the acronym now is STEM. I think we remember one, um, one homework set that I started with, I think, two or three peers in a library after dinner. Uh-huh. And we, we had to work into the wee hours together, but we worked together until about 3 or 4 a.m. to finish it. But, but this entire homework set that we worked for however many hours on was four questions. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, it was literally us just sort of talking um, well, the, the big one is that I, I was always a, a choir singer in high school, and I kept that going in college. So I, mm -hmm. I think I'm, I was I was a very uh, uh, active member of the Glee Club, the Chamber Singers, a couple of acapella groups. Um, really enjoyed spending all of my spare time with that. You know, I don't think I appreciated how important it is to to really have an eye on something that's interesting to you in addition to just getting those high grades and test scores. Now, I'm sure you want to hear the entire podcast with Craig. So without further ado, over to Craig Chu. Welcome to our podcast, College Matters, Alma Matters. Um, really, uh, thank you for making the time. Not a problem. So, um, so yeah, today we're going to spend some time talking about your Caltech days. And uh, as uh, we chatted earlier, this is really intended for aspiring students to get a feel for what college is like and obviously what uh, your experience at Caltech was like. And uh, hopefully that it both informs them and inspires them to do great things. So with that, we can sort of dive right in. 
Sure. So maybe the best place to start is uh, with some perspective, some overall views of your undergraduate years. Um, what does it look like looking back? Sure. Um, so, you know, the sort of the, the very high level summary is that I attended Caltech from 2000 to 2004. Mm -hmm. So it was actually a little while ago of yeah. my experience. And it is a it's a pretty small, intimate institution. There's about 900 to 1,000 undergrads and I think about 1,000 graduate students. So mm -hmm. as, as far as um, U.S. universities go, it's actually very, very small. Right. Uh, and, and and and, and yeah. how did how did that feel? I mean, you know, uh, were you, you know, does it feel too small, or was it sort of the right size, or what, what was sort of from the experiences? I really liked the close knit community. Um, you know, I I think my high school to college transition was the opposite of many folks in that my high school was enormous. Mm -hmm. um, my university was much smaller. My high school class was eight hundred people, and my high school mm -hmm. in total was over three thousand pupils. Right. Um, and so it, it was nice to sort of have this intimate experience of, at Caltech with a lot of people who were just really, really interested in the same sort of nerdy math and science things that I am. Um, uh -huh. And a lot, of, a lot of whom had a lot of experience doing a lot of that stuff for many, many years. So maybe we can you know, start with why you picked Caltech. Why did you go there? Sure. Um, you know, Math and science, I was always, always one of those math and science kids who just loved all of the math and science classes. I just, I ate them up and math had this elegance to me, not just in terms of, you know, scoring A's and, and getting 100s in class, but in, in right. that, you know, I, I could just sort of read the book. I, I could understand the logical flow of it because at its heart, math is, is a logical flow. And I felt like I really had this intuition. Right. Um, and so it was something I wanted to explore more. I, I really wanted to go somewhere that was heavily focused in sort of these, I, the acronym now is STEM, these STEM fields, yeah, these yeah. science, engineering, yeah. math fields. And I, and I really, you know, I, I worked so hard in high school and, you know, I, I studied hard. I had really high test scores um, and, and I knew it was going to be a really challenging experience, but I knew that I could really sort of test my mettle there and, and really see how, how much I could get out of an experience like that. So what other schools did you look at um, at that time, I mean, for when you applied? Um, the, the big other one was MIT, which is sort sure. of a cross-country, yeah. I, I don't know if rival's the right term, uh, but a cross-country right. uh, to Caltech. Um, I looked a little bit into uh, Stanford and Harvard and, and did go as far as applying to those. And I did also apply to the University of Texas. I grew up in Texas. Um, mm -hmm. I had a lot of friends who were sort of staying in the public university system. I wasn't sure you know, you, you can get a great education anywhere. Um, and sure. so I sort of kept that on my list as well. So um, you mentioned a little bit about uh, high school and being interested in science and math. What kind of things did you do in high school? Um, you know, the experience differs depending on where you're growing up. Um, you know, even different places in the States have, have different organizations, but there's a lot of sort of academic organizations um, we had a math team, which sort of competed in, in these high-level math exams over the weekends. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a member of the academic decathlon. I know a lot of my college classmates were involved in what they called Quiz Bowl, which is a trivia league yeah. that I, I didn't actually have at my high school. But uh -huh. it was essentially, like, I was very heavily focused on that sort of, that niche of math and science sort of, of um, depth to see how much I could get out of it. 
was there any other areas you were um, at least involved in or was it purely science and math? You know, at the time it was purely science and math. I think as I've grown older, I've grown to have a much deeper appreciation for the, the humanities right. than I did at the time. But, but certainly as an 18 year old choosing a university, I really, I really wanted to be the person who, you know, could make the next scientific discovery or could, you know, research cancer or create a new type of, of plane, you know, those, those sorts of, of challenges and ambitions were, were really deeply ingrained in me. Cool. So let's sort of uh, talk a little bit about um, your transition to Caltech. I know you mentioned going from a big place to a small place. What was the overall uh, transition like? And then we can kind of get into different aspects of that. Sure. Um, I mean, that was probably the biggest part of my transition, um, just in terms of the fact that I was now, when I arrived at my university, I was now on a campus where everybody knew everybody. Uh -huh. um, you know, even if you didn't know people by name, you definitely knew them by sight. And you, there, there's no way that you would ever, ever like have a stranger showing up in classes that you had <laughs> never seen. Um, so, I mean, that was a, a big culture shock. And then the other one, of course, was definitely the level of the curriculum. Uh -huh. uh, I, I mean, I went to a, a, what I would say was a great public high school in the state of Texas. Yeah, um, went through, you know, the standard honors courses, calculus, physics, all of these things. Um, and, you know, they didn't challenge me at all. But then Caltech in particular, um, I think I, I heard the stat while I was there that something like 70% of the student body graduated um, valedictorians at their high school and something uh -huh. like 50%, 50% or maybe 30 to 50% of the student body had perfect SAT scores. Right. Um, and so, you know, when I got there, it was my first real experience of of meeting so many people who were so similar to me in their curiosity, but many of whom could just, you know, run circles around me with how quickly they could grasp things, um, how quickly they could teach and understand things. Uh, it was, it was, uh, in retrospect, it, it was really healthy for me, I think. Uh, it sure. was a struggle. It was a struggle at the time. And it, it's definitely not for the faint of heart who are just casually <laughs> thinking, you know, maybe it'll go to Caltech. Um, but, but yeah, the, 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 definitely the hardest thing was how quickly the information was, um, was presented to me and how for the first time in my life, I was really challenged to the point where I would really, really have to study hard to actually understand it. I couldn't just sort of, you know, read it and glance over it and have sure. a perfect understanding of it the first time. Sure. You mentioned a little bit about, uh, smart classmates or peers. What were they like? I mean, what was the general environment of uh, peers and classmates? I mean, um, was the environment collaborative? Um, were these all multidimensional folks? You know, give us a paint us a picture of the kinds of people they were. Sure, uh, I, I would say it was very collaborative. Um, mm -hmm. You know, people uh, people have wondered if it would be sort of competitive at a place like that, um, and, and it's a good question. But you know, the short answer is no. Mm -hmm. um, the reason for that being, you know, for most of us, you know, some small portion of the student body was smart enough that they would understand everything the first time. Um, right. But that that's maybe like 10% of the student body, even at a place sure. like Caltech. And, the, you know, the rest of us were challenged enough that, you know, working through homework, which we called problem sets on campus, working through oh, yeah. sets um, became 
sort of collaborative by necessity. And I, I distinctly remember a couple instances where, you know, I sort of, and most of the student body seeks out peers who are at approximately their speed and level of understanding because it makes yeah. the process a lot better. But I distinctly remember one, um, one homework set that I started with, I think two or three peers in a library after dinner. Uh-huh. And we, we had to work into the wee hours together, but we worked together until about three or 4 a.m. to finish it. But, but this entire homework set that we worked for however many hours on was four questions. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, it was literally us just sort of talking. Um, and I can get into a little bit more detail about this later, but it, it was one of those pure math type problem sets where, you know, you had to prove C knowing A and B and we had to sort yeah. of figure out what we knew and how we knew it. Um, and it was, it was a really invigorating experience. And I was, I was honestly very surprised with how collaborative it was at Caltech. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have heard through the grapevine and through third party folks that not all, um, STEM institutions are like that, that, that Caltech graduates actually have a much more collaborative spirit than the graduates at some other places. But, you know, I can't speak, I can't speak firsthand to that. I just know that that's something I've heard through the grapevine. Sure, sure. Now, um, obviously, these guys were very good in the what you call the STEM area. Did you also find them um, talented in a variety of other ways? Yeah, uh, um, absolutely. I mean, a lot of times the performing arts, especially music, go really, really well and hand in hand with with folks who are strong in math and science. Sure. Sure. Um, there, there were very let's see, what's a good word for it? I would say robust. There were really robust um, music and arts programs. Mm -hmm. Um, people were definitely multifaceted there, as, as you can kind of imagine, with a self-selective nerdy body. Um, the, <laughs> the, I would say the proportion of us who were were really into sports or were really athletic was actually lower than than a lot of places, but actually was not zero. I definitely had very good friends who were, you know, on the baseball team, on the swimming team, on the water polo team. We definitely fielded full teams in a lot of sports: tennis, mm -hmm. um, basketball. You know, and we, I. Because the campus was so small, I think all of us had friends who were doing a little bit of everything. Um, sure. and, and so it wouldn't be it, it wouldn't be out of the ordinary to go, you know, to the basketball game to, you know, cheer for your friend who's on the team. And then two hours later, you would know, you're sitting in the library working on a homework set with them. <laughs> OK, so let's talk a little bit about your professors, their teaching styles and the classes. Huh? How are, how, are, how did all that sort of come about? Um, professors were great, the, the mm -hmm. short of it. Um, you know, I think I think not just Caltech, but I think any institution, you're, you're essentially going to have a mixture of professors who are are really good at teaching and are not so great at teaching. Yeah. Um, again, being so focused on the math and science because it's such it's such technical content. Mm -hmm. um, there are definitely sometimes where there are some professors who explain it better than others. Mm -hmm. For the most part, I would say 80% of the time, 80% of the time I found the professors engaging, um, very helpful because the student body was so small. Um, you know, even reasonably senior professors, I could frequently get an email back from or schedule some time to meet with, to, to talk about things I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. It was, it, it was, it, it was definitely interesting that, you know, You'd, you'd be reading sometimes in, in science news that, that some 
physicist had just published a paper that sort of completely rewrote the way we thought about some major scientific concept. And then you'd get to the bottom and you'd realize, oh, wait a second, that's the professor I'm taking physics from tomorrow at 10. Like, oh, oh, oh. and it was it was sobering, but it was really, really great. OK, so let's talk a little bit about uh, outside the classroom. What was campus life at, uh, like at Caltech? I mean, uh, maybe we can start with the dorms and other things and then other activities. Yeah, I'm actually really glad you brought that up. Um, Caltech, actually, the undergraduate student housing there revolves around a house system, mm-hmm. which um, which I, I, is based on sort of the, the British house system. And, you know, prior to the Harry Potter movies, it was really hard yeah. to describe. But, but it's actually very similar to the houses you see in Harry Potter in that, yeah, you know, each house sort of has its own personality. And it's it's where you live, but it is also this sort of group you belong to. And it's not quite a fraternity, but it has a lot of those sort of fraternal aspects where mm-hmm. you're part of this group, you know, the houses play each other at inner house sports. Um, it, it was a lot of fun. And it, especially with such a population that I think is um, tends toward the more introverted side was yeah. really good in getting a lot of us to have a more intimate experience with some friends and, and sort of force some friendships when mm-hmm. a lot of, had struggles, had struggles making friends aside from that. How about the cultural activities, social activities, clubs, that kind of thing? Um, full slate of clubs, um, full slate of, of like things that you could do in your spare time. I would say a lot of, I would say there was, there was a more diverse set of clubs and activities than you would expect from an institution with 900 people. Okay. Um, I think is a great way to say that there certainly wasn't like, you know, if, if you liked to, for example, you know, DJ in your spare time, you're, that would probably be harder to find. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, there were, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to offer some examples that aren't just the things I was involved in. There were, you know, like aviation fans where people were like going to get pilots license, like training towards getting pilots licenses on the weekend. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there were foodie fan clubs. I I was a big choral person. I was in a couple of acapella groups as well as the campus glee club. Um, the the acti- the activities are a pretty full slate. It it is. I will say for any listeners who are who are really really considering it, things that they sh- you know you should be aware at an institution with nine hundred undergrads and a thousand grad students there are also going to just be a few limitations in terms of some of them some of the more uh, more obscure things are, are are probably going to be harder to find a group for fair enough fair enough so what did you do what what kind of things were you uh, doing um, well the, the big one is that I, I was always a, a choir singer in high school and I kept that going in college so I, mm-hmm. I think I'm a, I was. I was a very uh, uh, active member of the Glee Club, the Chamber Singers, a couple of acapella groups. Um, really enjoyed spending all of my spare time with that. It was it, w- it was really rewarding. It was also a great way to meet friends that weren't in my house, which yeah. you know, at, at, when you're when you're living in one place, it, it can be hard actually to meet friends that aren't your neighbors once you're in that house system and once you're so embedded in that. Sure. Oh. I'm trying to think if I was involved in other activities. You know, I some of the the more general things. I I sort of the house system also gives you a lot of opportunities to be involved in some student government and some leadership opportunities. I was on you know the house social team, sort of the house board for a year mm-hmm. or two. 
things, th- those sorts of things. Tell us about your you know, summers. Were they internships, courses? What did you do? Um, yeah, so I specifically, <coughs> oh, excuse me, from sort of the math background I was building, um, I had some some pretty niche experiences with my summers. For the first couple summers, I was helping a friend who ran a test prep company um, work on some of the, of the math preparation items for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then between my junior and senior years, I had an internship. When I was considering becoming an actuary, I actually had an internship um, at a at a, um, a healthcare a health insurance firm between my junior and senior years. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did personally. I, I know it's also worth talking a little bit more generally about the summer opportunities available at Caltech mm-hmm. um, because by nature of the fact that so much scientific research happens there and it's such a, it's such a small student body, right. um, there's, there's actually this program called the SURF program, which is Summer Undergraduate Research Fellowships. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, now that I'm saying it, I'm slight, it, slightly nervous because I graduated so long ago. I don't know if it's been rebranded or the program has changed, but it was essentially... I mean, it was essentially this idea that, you know, you're at this very small campus. Everybody there really excels in science. If you want to get involved in some some really cutting edge research, right. some of this stuff, some of the stuff that is usually reserved for seniors, if undergrads can even do it at all. Um, you know, I had a lot of classmates, probably a, a quarter to a third of the campus stick around over the summer to do surfs. Mm-hmm. Um and in a lot of cases, you know, these are these are freshmen, these are sophomores who are working with some of the cutting edge professors in their fields. And sometimes, you know, sometimes they don't quite have the the senior level math or whatever that background they need, but but the professors all help shepherd it along a little bit. Um, but it, it was very, very cool to see so many of my classmates able to like jump into things that they were so passionate about. Mm-hmm. When they knew they wanted to be scientists, they didn't have any problem getting these research programs so that when they were applying to grad school, they could actually say, you know, they had done these research things. They had published these papers. Sure. And that's a nice uh, acronym. Suits the Southern California kind of. Yeah, it really really does. (laughs) Agreed. 100%. I kind of wanted to jump into your major. I mean, obviously I can see, that you were interested in math. So I just wanted to see why you picked applied math and didn't go in for pure math or anything like that. Or was that, you know, um, more an applied sort of science that you wanted to do? So yeah. give us a feel for how you picked your major. And it's yeah, it, it's a, a little of a little of column A and a little column B of the things you were saying. I, uh, I arrived at Caltech very, very interested in math. Um, it was it was sort of a thing that I always found so intuitive and so easy in high school um, that, you know, when when people were struggling with their homework, I was just kind of reading the textbook and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Of course, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I started pursuing some math and taking some math classes. Um, and you probably know this, but for maybe the listeners who don't that, you know, university level mathematics is not really what a lot of us think of in terms of mathematics and at the yeah. high school and junior high levels. And then a lot of times you're not like solving for X and figuring out what number it is. A lot of it revolves around um, what I would call proof-based and logic-based systems where you're trying to figure out, well, wait, if I know that this property is true, you know, what can I be sure about these other numbers here? Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, I mean, it's definitely interesting stuff, but I decided fairly early on after, you know, a year to a year and a half that I wanted something more concrete Mm -hmm. 
you know, being a, a mathematician pursuing one of those routes directly would have meant essentially a, a career just, you know, sitting around thinking. Um, yeah. And I wanted, I wanted something where I could, you know, point to some numbers and say, you know, I solved that problem. I figured out what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after I took a couple of applied math classes, I sort of realized, you know, this is, this is exactly what I'm talking about. These are, these are some of the cutting edge applications where, you know, maybe we can't find a, a what what mathematicians would call a closed form solution for something, but I can approximate right. it with this and I can tell, I can tell these things. And that, that became pretty interesting to me once I realized that was a pathway. Maybe start with actually becoming an actuary. I mean, what does that entail? What did that mean? And uh, give us a little bit of a primer on that. Sure. So the actuarial profession, um, for the listeners who don't know, um, actuaries are business professionals who generally focus on the mathematical aspects of risk, Mm -hmm. uh, with the majority of actuaries working in the insurance and pension fields, where uh, actuaries calculate sort of reserving and the the risk to insurers or pension plans of of solvency and insolvency based on a, a whole slew of factors mm-hmm. uh, the the career pathway itself is a little hard to get into because there's actually a fairly rigorous set of exams that you have to get through in mm-hmm. order to to really receive your actuarial credentials and the the time it takes to get through those you know varies from yeah you know, four years on the low end to, I, I definitely had colleagues who took more than 10 on the high end. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think getting into, into the other part of your question, Venkat, was you were asking um, sort of how Caltech has shaped my, has shaped yeah. me a bit. And, and there's two facets to that. The first one is that, you know, being at Caltech where I was doing math and science full time is what for me personally um, led me to c- conclude that I didn't really want to be a traditional scientist in the acad- academia sense of the term. Right. Um, because I, I wanted to do something that was a little bit more hands-on than just researching or being a professor or, or doing yeah. any of those things. Um, the second thing is that, you know, it was, it was very challenging in a way that was very, very rewarding to me because I hadn't really been challenged like that intellectually prior to that mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. It, it, uh, I mean, honestly, it really prepared me to, to fly through actuary exams because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of smart people work on becoming an actuary and trying to pass these exams. And I definitely had some colleagues uh, when I f- was first starting out who were, you know, just as smart as I was, but continued to fail the exams because, I mean, quite frankly, because they had gone to much less rigorous universities and had not had that experience of really, really, really busting, busting their butts to study really, really hard for something because they, they sure. just kind of cruised through. And so they didn't understand why after they read the book, they couldn't cruise through these actuary exams. Whereas, sure. you know, I had this experience where, where I was like, okay, well, I, I am, you know, I'm a smart guy, but I am still accustomed to putting in hundreds of hours of study time to really, really, really understand this the best I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and it helped me get through exams pretty quickly. Sure. So it brought a certain rigor to your, uh, to the various disciplines, uh, and in this case, uh, actuary. Um, fabulous. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing it also helped build um, a lot of self-confidence, right, in, in sort of going through some of the tough aspects of uh, the exams and the classes at Caltech. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the confidence aspect of it. That that is, a, it's a very quirky thing for a lot of Caltech students because, you know, when we're sitting around in a room working on four math problems from after dinner until three in the morning, you know, we right. certainly don't feel smart at the time, especially when ten percent <laughs> of the student body is like flying through it. Right. Um, and it, it's it's kind of a known thing on campus that that undergrads kind of joke about it and say, you know. Like we were all, you know, 70% of us were valedictorians of our high schools and we all feel thoroughly average here. Um, but then once we graduate, you know, people who graduate and come back and talk to undergrads say, you know, once you spend four years immersed at Caltech, it's kind of funny once you leave because you, you had, you had forgotten over those four years. No, you, you were the valedictorian of your class and you were the person who understood, understood things faster than everybody else. And it, <laughs> It's kind of a, a fun six month to one year adjustment once you leave Caltech or you leave, you know, the the sciences where, where you're so, sort of like, oh, right, I, I do understand. Things. I do actually understand things like at a very high level faster than a lot of people. And it was it was kind of fun to sort of transition back out of that life and sort of reacquaint myself with the fact that, oh, wait, I, I do understand things pretty well. That's, that's an excellent point, actually, what you're making. Okay, so Craig, um, if you could go back in time and do those four years all over again, what would you do differently? Um, that is a great question that I have actually thought about sometimes. I would definitely say once, uh, you know, I would say about two to two and a half years in is when I realized I didn't want to go into academia. Mm -hmm. um, and, my, you know, for my last year to year and a half, I was kind of just taking classes to get enough credits to graduate. Sure. And, you know, I'm 39 now. I, I'm uh, I'm officially reaching middle age. And I definitely I definitely have thought to myself, you know, while I was at a place like Caltech, you know, if I had already decided that I wasn't going to bother going to graduate school, I sure wish I had spent my junior and senior years learning a couple more interesting things. Mm -hmm. You know, I could have I could have had Caltech chemistry professors, you know, teaching me organic chemistry. And instead, I just took the fewest credits possible my senior year to just graduate. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think I would I would I would probably have embraced it a little bit more being lost at the time when I you know my first year there I definitely did not like the feeling of being average and suddenly being among all of these people who were, were so so bright um, because I, I was no longer the big fish I was suddenly just you know the the average fish there um, and if I had it to do over I feel like I am more adjusted as an adult in being able to appreciate the fact that you know that that's a that's a great experience. Like I should have enjoyed that experience more than I did at the time. Now that's, that's a very fair point. Now, do you think that you said that the, probably the year, year and a half, maybe three semesters, you were just trying to complete your, you know, course requirements or credit requirements. Um, was, did you feel like you were not excited about something else or trying something else? Or did you just kind of want to be done with it? Was that the feeling? You know, for me personally, it, it was more on the second. Oh, okay. Um, but, okay. You know, I, I had sort of, by senior year, I had, sort of, I, was pro I had decided I was probably going to pursue this actuarial career. Um, I are, had already taken all of the math courses I needed to get through. So in the last year, you know, I just sort of needed to get enough, enough credits, period, but they didn't have to be anything specific. And so instead of taking, you know, maths and sciences that would have been intellectually stimulating for me like 
you know, I could have taken topology or I could have taken chemistry or I could have like tried taken a new applied physics course. Um, I just sort of, of coasted. I, well, I mean, I shouldn't say yeah, I, coasted. I, 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 I know what you mean. I know yeah. What you mean. I, didn't, I didn't take, um, I didn't take math and science courses. I, I feel like I took first year Japanese and first year Chinese just because I knew that first year language courses would be a little useful to me, but not as quite as uh, quite as difficult as maybe an applied physics course. The thing I always like to sort of have uh, folks like you do is tell aspiring students how to think about college, how to apply and you know, any, any kind of pointers you could give them, uh, one in the application side and the other applying as in not the specifics, but while they apply. And the second one is anything in college they probably ought to do. Okay, um, sure. Let me think about that for a minute. Um, you know, I would say one major thing on applications that I think is a little underappreciated is is, you know, how much, you know, for me, my focus in high school was, you know what, just get, get the high grades, get the high grades, get mm -hmm. the high test scores, be, be able to fill out the application and just be able to pop all my high grades and high test scores um, into that application. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't think I appreciated how important it is to, to really have an eye on something that's interesting to you that in addition to just getting those high grades and test scores. I was so focused on the grades and test scores that, you know, I, you know, I, I have one example that pops into my head. There was a, there was a class trip to sort of the Six Flags near mm -hmm. uh, Southern California, which for the listeners who don't know is, is a large amusement park. Mm -hmm. um, and we were standing in line and some of my class, you know, I was just beginning to get to know my, beginning to get to know my classmates. And one of them turned and was like, wait, this roller coaster is built funny. They don't normally have support structures like this. They're like the, the beams are, are done in a different design or something. Um, and, you know, being interested in the physics of roller coaster design is not something that had even occurred to me because there wasn't going to be a physics test on that, you know? <laughs> um, and particularly at, at some of the, some of the higher level institutions, when you're writing that application, I think the admissions officers can tell whether you know there is more interest and ambition to you there's more whether there's more ambition to your interests than just getting the high grades but basically yeah. I, I think the shortest summary of, of my advice is you know be sure you keep up those interests that aren't that aren't just the grades and the test scores because those are a means to an end but be sure you keep that that end in mind as well I actually also wanted to go back to something you mentioned at the outset, which is that you developed an appreciation for humanities later on. Um, tell us a little bit about that, because that's kind of very interesting, and I kind of can totally relate to that. So, um, what 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 prompted that, or how did that happen? Yeah, the well, you know the 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 start of it in high school and college. You know, as so many of us are just trying to find our way, uh, you know, I didn't like it in high school because as the mathy person, I, I like, I wanted something that was concrete and had an answer. I didn't want, I didn't like the discussions in, in secondary school where we, you know, we would sit around talking about the symbolism of, you know, Charles Dickens' Great Expectations, for example. 
Right. Like that wasn't interesting to me. Like reading the story, like it, it was a little too open-ended and it was a little too slow for me. I didn't like how slow reading was because I was so fast in math. Um, And those were frustrations. I honestly, I think a lot of the folks who, who show up at Caltech feel the same way. Although Mm -hmm. uh, I should point out while we're talking about Caltech that they don't quite let you get out of the humanities. You still have to take a full slate while you're there. (laughs) Okay. Um, You you never get to stop. You never get to take them for one year and stop. You have to take it all four years that you're there. Um, And, you know, in retrospect, as I've grown, as I've gotten, as I've gotten more interested in the globe as, as a global community and, and uh-huh. history and, and the way that history applies to us, and by us, I mean human beings in general, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm much more interested, you know, not to be too political, I'm, I, I, as I've grown, I, I sort of see the parallels between things we have watched happen in history and, you know, are watching happen around the world as we speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and those are things that, those are things that if they're not things we want for humanity, those are things that the hum that the humanities as an yeah. art form are, are, are able to guard against if people are educated enough to sort of understand those concepts to to understand those how those lessons apply and that's not something that i think math and science can directly can directly prevent right it's it's the yeah. humanities and the arts that seek to sort of affect society and then teach society how to how to be a society and then in my mind once society is functioning and successful it's the sciences that sort of allow us to develop things like sending people to the moon, for example. Cool. So we are um, beginning to wind down here. um, And I wanted to uh, give you a shot at uh, talking about some Caltech memories or traditions or anything that we may not have talked about here uh, that you feel is relevant or important. So um, anything that you want to share? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, I'm taking a quick look to, to double check the, the quick notes I made, be sure I, I mentioned everything. I think I think I got all of the big points. I, I will say Caltech has this, this really fantastic tradition um, that's it's almost hard to explain because I'm going to call it Ditch Day and it is called Ditch Day. Um, and that's kind of a known term in the States where a lot of seniors just sort of skip class for the day and go do whatever. Right. Um, and, and so it sounds like I'm describing ditch day and, and everybody listening who's heard the term before is just thinking, you know, big deal, the seniors just sort of skip <laughs> classes for a day. Um, but, you know, over time, over like a hundred years of history at Caltech, it has actually morphed into this massive, massive tradition um, where it, it originally started I think decades and decades ago where the seniors would just skip classes for a day, but then all of the, um, all of the lower classmen would start locking them out of their rooms and pranking their rooms while they were gone. Um, so then seniors started barricading the rooms before they, they would have their ditch day. And it's, it's sort of become this massive tradition where, you know, seniors spend the entire year. Sometimes they even start before senior year <laughs> preparing for senior ditch day. And in preparing for Senior Ditch Day, um, they are essentially they essentially prepare you know a massive scavenger hunt or quest for the underclassmen who sign up for for their particular room. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 
the day is always secret until it happens. Um, usually a couple of administrators do know because they have to, they have to plan. Um, mm -hmm. but, but, but the day is secret. And then once it's revealed that it is ditch day, um, you will find the entire campus just doing puzzles, having games like playing, they're called stacks. The term is stacks playing through their stacks all over campus. Mm -hmm. Um, People tied to trees, people like rappelling off of the nine story library on campus looking for, you know, there's whatever scavenger hunt clue they have. Um, it, it's really kind of an incredible thing because because most undergraduates at Caltech sort of aspire to have their stack their senior year be their their legacy that they leave behind to underclassmen. So it's this massively wonderful tradition um, that's worth mentioning because I don't know that I have read about or heard of comparable traditions at, at other institutions. It, it's really very, very cool. Oh, that sounds, sounds fantastic. So Craig, um, I'm going to thank you for uh, taking the time and hopefully this was an enjoyable journey down memory lane for you. <laughs> and uh, I, I think I, probably want to come back and talk to you some more in the future but uh for now thank you so much take care and be safe thanks very much thanks for the time sure thing take care bye bye hi again hope you enjoyed our podcast with craig chu on caltech craig came to caltech wanting to pursue math while he enjoyed math he discovered applied math, which allowed him to produce meaningful results using the same mathematics. That led him to a career in actuary. Along the way, Craig also discovered the importance of humanities in education. I hope Craig's story has motivated you to explore Caltech. For your questions or comments on this podcast, please email podcast at almamatters.io. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast today. Transcripts for the podcast and previous podcasts are on almamatters.io forward slash podcasts. To stay connected with us, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or visit anchor.fm forward slash almamatters to check us out. Till we meet again, take care and be safe. Thank you. College Matters. Alma, Alma Matters. matters.